The MX Vice Show. All right, welcome everybody to episode 144 of the MX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready for today as we look back on a special MXGP of Italy where two champions were crowned, plus chat some silly season and maybe a bit of a motocross of nations and also look ahead to Madeley Basin this weekend, the finale. But before we welcome the great man in Lorenzo Resta, we'd firstly like our thank our sponsors for the first part in Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories, and ride equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose house brands, and their support of water elite MX riders like Blander and Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas, Bogus, and nine-time world champion Thor ambassador, Tony Cairoli. Your Parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike, Neck and Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycro, Rental, Recluse, and many, many more are in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partsyourup.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer. All right, Lorenzo, how's life, mate? Thanks for joining us. Sounded like an absolutely crazy weekend for you at Majora, mate. So hope you've recovered and you're back in action. Yeah, I'm still recovering, I think, <laughs> because it was a really, really proper demanding uh, weekend, uh, probably the worst of the season or, I mean, the best of the season so far. So it depends uh, which side you are looking. But uh, yeah, honestly, I think it was my best weekend uh, of uh, of the season as I'm really uh, glad to be a part of uh, the Majora family, first of all. I have to thank Stefano Vandero and uh, Francesco Bozzola as they let me feel really a uh, part of uh, the Majora team. I was uh, the press officer up there for the Italian Grand Prix. It's a big honor for me also to represent uh, the circuit and uh, Italian uh, media at our home GP and in what kind of location uh, because Majora of course with all the rain we had it was still possible to ride on Sunday and Saturday Saturday was still raining and uh, the, the race were I mean quite good uh, even if a little bit muddy but then on Sunday we had a, such a fantastic track we were able to make the uh, big parade with so many champions and uh this was also something that uh, costed a lot of energies to the organizer, to Infront, to myself personally. But to see the crowds around the track, uh, looking at Tony Cairoli, Stefan Everts, and all those guys just riding in front of the crowd and just waving their hands. And then Tony went back on track again with Gautier Polan doing some nice jumps, you know, and giving some kind of show. To, to enjoy I saw some of those guys almost crying you know fuck that's Tony in front of me there's the legend uh, Stefan Evers riding in front of me I will never think that I will uh, see him uh, riding again and it was his first time uh, since uh, his uh, sickness so mm. that was something special uh, plenty of nice bikes uh, we had uh, uh, original uh, factory bike from Harry Everts, the Pook with two carburetors. Then uh, we had the uh, original uh, bike from uh, uh, Stefan Everts. Uh, of course, Tony was riding his bike. Uh, we had the original Alessandro Puzzar bike, and he was riding since 90, and he was riding also in front of the crowd. And uh, 
many, many Kiko Kiodi bike and Kiko was there also. So it was really, honestly, a fantastic show. Uh, we had plenty of special things like the presentation of uh, Tony's car for the rally legend uh, that uh, would be hosted in exactly one month in uh, San Marino. So plenty of activities uh, instead of the heavy rain uh, of uh, the flooding of a part of the paddock of some stuff like that. But still, it was really a demanding but nice and good weekend. Uh, but now I'm turned this like a month ago, 50, and it takes me a little bit longer to recover unfortunately. No, you're doing well, mate. It was certainly an action-packed weekend, and I guess we'll start with Jorge Prado being crowned the MXGP champion, mate. It's sort of been a long time coming and finally got it done on his team's home soil. He's clearly been the man to beat all year. Just so, you know, efficient, really, is probably a good word to describe the way he's done it. Consistent, hardly put a foot wrong, managed it really well, and to finally sort of get it in the bag, mate, it was pretty awesome for him. And you know, he was pretty emotional afterwards, as you would be. You know, he's dreamed of it all year. And he's had a couple of pretty tough years, I guess. You sort of look back, illness, injury. 2021, he was in the fight and had that incident with Hurlings, which sort of put him out of it. So, you know, he had his family there. They came. So it was a really special moment to enjoy it there, mate. So how is it from your perspective? And I guess the only negative, maybe people are saying that they went a bit too hard on the celebrations and blew the bike up. But other than that, mate, awesome Dreams come true on the Madeley Basin and the nations of him now. All the positives are in his way, aren't they? Yeah, talking about uh, this burning bike on uh, on Sunday night, it's something that uh, never happened before. But uh, I saw, I read a lot of caption on on, inter, on Instagram or uh, uh, around the socials and people are surprising me because they say, oh, this is uh, so bad. Why do they do this? Unfortunately, I don't like it at all, but the, everyone is doing this when he's winning uh, one side and the other side of the ocean is unfortunately quite normal today. And it was done in front of uh, everyone. I mean, uh, team members and uh, the managers, everyone was there. So it's something that happens every year and it's I don't like it, but it's just my opinion. It's they bike, they do what they want with uh, but apart of this, uh, it was an incredibly nice weekend uh, uh, for Jorge, for the team. Uh, I will start with uh, the youngest one, Davide De Carli, uh, winning uh, his first title, uh, the first year that is team manager of uh, the Gas Gas Factory, Red Bull Factory team. Uh, I think he deserved, uh, like many are deserving. I mean... Uh, and I think nobody is putting um, bigger effort than Hanti Pironen or uh, than uh, Louis Fosters or than those guys, you know. Uh, everyone is doing really hard this job, uh, really properly committed, deeply committed uh, to win the title. But then there is only one at the end of the season that uh, gets the title and that will uh, uh, have the chance to, to wear this number one, even if I think that... Uh, Nate, uh, Jorge or Adamo will wear number one next year. Um, but the, Davide uh, did a fantastic road through the years. First time that I saw him and that I met him was in 2004. He was a little kid, probably eight years old or something like that, running around in the paddock with his little scooter, uh, doing wheelie every time. Passionate about motocross, of course. His father was a former rider. He's a former rider. He won the first Italian winning one moto in 500cc World Championship in Ponte Aegola. So um, he has motocross uh, in his veins, you know, in his blood. And uh, he knows this world a lot. 
I always say that he's the little brother of Tony as they grown together. Uh, in the last 20 years, they have been together every time, uh, every day almost. So David has grown a lot. His father have done a pretty good job with him without putting him in front too early and without waiting too much before putting him in front. And David is now ready. He's shown. Uh, he talks pretty well uh, English uh, and uh, he's doing his job with the team very well, creating a fantastic group of young guys. As I said, maybe in another uh, another time, uh, is the youngest team of the paddock with the youngest uh, mechanics in average of uh, age, youngest riders overall with the three riders uh, in MXGP, MX2. So the group is fantastically young in mechanics, management, and uh, uh, riders. I think that is the youngest uh, team manager winning a title. I'm not sure under percent but i think 99 percent is like this so uh well done guys really well done of course i'm close to them and to me it's a part of my world or family racing family uh but honestly very very uh, good job it was uh, it was fantastic of course the main actor uh, was on the bike and it's orke Jorge did a fantastic job. He was the most consistent out there, you know. He was the one who was really able to be so consistent through the season. He wasn't the fastest all time, like Jeffrey could, could have been. He wasn't the most winning, like Roman is. But he's the most consistent uh, rider. So he has done really uh, a good job. He has done uh, what... He needed to do at every race. Just a couple of little failures. Uh, one was Turkey. A horrible weekend for him. Only 25 points that put down the average of points of the whole season in a dramatic way, I have to say. But it happens. It can happen. And Another bad moment was the qualifying moto in Arco di Trento. That was really not mm. that good for him. It was ninth only. And another one, I think, was Spain. He was feeling probably too much the pressure of that red blade at home. He really wanted to succeed a lot. And maybe it was a little bit too much. But apart of this, he was the only one that was able to be always in front. Uh, I got to check the, the, the statistics, but I think that he had won at least one moto at every Grand Prix in between qualifying race and first moto and second moto. I got a check, but it's possible. And the one who have won more uh, of the qualifying uh, races, that's for sure. Mm. Uh, and of course, also uh, more uh, lap leading and more uh, all shots. So you put all together and it give you a fantastic results. It's quite impressive when you look at the standings, uh, the difference in between the first, the second, the third, the fourth. It's mm. almost 100 points uh, each. Uh, what it talks about are uh, quite, uh, not strange, but uh, untypical uh, uh, year, season, with a lot of injuries again, unfortunately. And that's something that we have to work on. Federation, in front, we with ideas. Everyone, I think, have to work a little bit on this because the injuries are a little too much at the moment. Uh, imagine, again, what could have been the season with all the riders, all the top riders together, Fevre, Prado, Hurlings, uh, Geyser, uh, Renault, Sewer. I mean, we could have been... 
like 2021. <laughs> like 2021, you know, with four, five riders uh, uh, there for fight for the title till the end. So, okay. Anyway, Jorge was the best. Uh, it was a suffering, I think, at the end, even with this huge amount of uh, advantage in points that he had. But he was suffering a little bit because uh, there's a moment while I think you start thinking maybe it will never happen to me to win an MXGP title. 2020 was already uh, one of the best riders, but then COVID and uh, he had an injury with uh, with broken femur and stuff like that. 2021, again, problems, troubles. 2020, I have to say again, that was a difficult season, a tough season for him. But then Again, now, finally, 2023 was his season. He was able to put all together uh, in one of the probably more delicate moments of his career. Uh, team talking, uh, contracts talking, uh, rumors around him and stuff like that. But he was able to be really completely a part of all these rumors and problems and stuff and just being focused on the title chase, you know. And uh, at the end, you can see the result uh, uh, it's fantastic uh, it have been a shame that uh, he couldn't he didn't want uh, race two and so he could have been uh, uh, crowned on the first step of the podium and he wanted he really wanted he was fighting for but still uh, as he said it was also a little bit of shame that uh, Roman had this bike issue during mm. the first moto because it's a little unfair nothing will have changed you know from that because uh, title chase was already uh, there and uh, for, for the second motto but uh, at the end as I said uh, it was uh, it, it was doing uh, it was the best on track during the world season yeah mate well said you mentioned some of those statistics there and obviously Paul Piercy who does excellent work for MX Vice, he sent us yeah. some more through. And I've got a couple I can reel off for you, mate. So he topped the qualifying points with 145, which is pretty impressive. Wow. And topped the laps led 219 over Fever on 181. And they were the only two men in three figures. And then you got Hurlings on yeah. 50. So it's, yeah, they're just sort of streets ahead, those two. Average qualifying race finish was just around the three. Average first lap in the qualifying race, 1.882. Qualifying race laps led. 126, which was ahead of Fever on 44. Average finish in the motos overall, 2.72. First moto average, 2.27. Second moto average, 3.88. Still pretty high, isn't it? Considering there was a lot of that uh, yeah. second moto with uh, not as high results. And then Fever, obviously, yeah. average finish was 3.05. So it's really impressive still considering some of the stuff he went through and and then Prado's average first lap position in the race is 3.16. So just puts himself in the position every time, doesn't he, mate? More often than not. Yeah. I thought an interesting quirk was C was obviously had a couple of rough GPs, but his first lap position is seven. So you would have thought that was a bit higher considering he was just rattling off the hole shots. But pretty cool stuff in there to get stuck into, mate. And I guess Fever, I guess the challenger, he did a manful effort, mate. Obviously, that issue in Spain where he got the DNF really cost him, but he's probably been the fastest guy for the you know second half of the season, no doubt. His riding's been awesome. He's so fun to watch. He's all action, power and finesse. Doesn't mind getting a bit loose on the bike, but always seems quite in control most of the time at that speed. He's clearly loving the bike. And yeah, it was a shame he was so angry with the bike, wasn't he, mate? You <laughs> could see him kicking it and storming off and you wouldn't want to be the team going I back. Got the to picture, him, uh, as I was there. 
I was yeah. right there. Why? I mean, it happens five seconds before, but I was there then. And uh, yeah, it's frustrating uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, nothing uh, could have changed on the chase, on the title chase, of, of course. But still, uh, a rider like him want to win, always want to be on the podium, always. And don't forget that they represent a lot of money for those uh, riders, you know, to be on the podium or to win a race or not. It makes the difference because they get normally bonus for final results of the race uh, in one, two, three. They got uh, huge normally bonus for winning a race or winning a moto. So uh, there is also this reason and I can understand it fully. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a kind of uh, a shame that happens really in depth race. Uh, the race in Spain have made the difference. Uh, potentially, those were 60 points. At that time of the season, Roman uh, wasn't that strong to win everything like he did uh, after Germany. But still, uh, it could have been, I don't know, 40, 40, 45 points, something like that the weekend. Uh, so that could have been made the difference, you know, then uh, in a certain moment of the season when uh, he was getting closer and closer uh, to, to Prado. Uh, for sure, this is something that uh, instead of having, I don't know, 90 or 100 points of difference, having 50 or 40, uh, this, this is something that maybe could have been more difficult to manage for, uh, uh, for Jorge uh, with a much more amount of pressure. But don't forget that, as I said um, in the previous podcast, Prado never, never managed to uh, don't be on top. He always tried to win qualifying moto, race one, or be on the podium. A uh, few times he was quite both unlucky or uh, he just lost the, the fight with, with Roman. Or it, and then you feel and you can see the smartness of the guy who gives up on this fight, this specific fight, without trying to, you know, get him back and maybe getting injured. Or So it was really good on managing with this kind of uh, uh, problems and, and stuff. Uh, and that's why I think at the end he, he won the title, because he was always there, uh, thinking with his mind, present with himself on the bike, and never uh, let the instinct uh, being uh, stronger than the the mind. The mind was always it was always on control uh, on those situations. I think I think he was more scared than during the week than in a weekend. Uh, he said in the press conference uh, that he was. Uh, sometimes care while he was training about getting injured or stuff like that because then you know you dominate the season and at one point you get a little injury during a training and you lost one GP or you have two in a row three in a row and you never know what can happen so uh it it, it was okay like that I mean it was uh, it was quite good like that and it was uh perfect uh like that but uh Roman uh, was surprising me once again while what he posted after the race, uh, uh, silver medal, uh, not bad for a 31 years old rider, something like that. <laughs> and it surprised me because, okay, he's riding since a while, he's riding MXGP since 2015, 
but it's just yeah eight seasons in MXGP, so it's a lot on one side, but he's not so so many in another. And I don't see him like a old rider. Uh, Lupino is older than him, for example. They have older riders, but this means maybe that he's looking for next one or two last seasons. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it was this kind of uh, uh, not giving up, but like feeling old that uh, was uh, on his ward, you know, not so bad for a 30, for 31 years old. Okay. But we, we know that Roman on sentence is sometimes a little bit strange, like what he said about the, uh, participating at the nation or not. And he said, yeah, you know, it's, uh, uh, I will go in holiday one week later. Okay. <laughs> it's up to you, mate. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, uh... you said Prado was saying he doesn't really say hello to him, like the only guy that never says hello to me. So it's interesting dynamic they've had. Both pretty fierce competitors. Prado sort of yeah, 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 quite well, but he's got that edge too, I, doesn't he? I had a very interesting uh, conversation with uh, Claudio De Carli on Monday while I was traveling back to Italy on the telephone, and I and we both agreed that uh, okay, yeah. Sometimes we are complaining about uh, how a rider is acting or what he's saying, or but at at the end, in really the end, what really matters is what he do on track. And we have to say that Roman, to me, I mean, was never unfair on track. Uh, he never did bad moves on the others. He is a special character. He's really strong. Is completely committed, committed, and he want to win. He want to race, and sometimes uh, we just look at the little detail and not at the bigger picture. The bigger picture is that we have a thirty-one years old rider that we know for sure that want to win, and is ready to do whatever to win. And also, I think this uh, he don't feel obliged to be polite to say hello to everyone and is in in his rights you know he can do it then of course maybe one day someone will say oh yeah roman i didn't like it so much as a as a person but yeah he did well on bike or but he's a personal uh, judgment you know uh, what we can judge really and just giving some comments is is about his riding and nobody can say nothing about this riding because it was uh, probably, as we said, the fastest rider uh, for sure in the last half of uh, the second half of the, the season. But uh, yeah, it's a guy that uh, probably also will need a little bit this kind of uh, hunger against his rival to create this, you know, to be more hungry. I remember while I was talking with Tony in uh, uh, the year, his last year in 2020 and 2019, uh, while uh, uh, Chase uh, as born uh, his son and I said to him what changes more for you now that you are father and he said I'm not afraid to be injured or to get troubles uh, because I have a kid and I have a responsibility what changes me more is the sweetness a minute before going to the gate uh, I have cartoon on my TV my kid is in this uh, trolley and has only smile, honey, kisses. Before, I was just completely hungry against everyone. I had hardcore music, uh, high volume, and I was pissed off with the world. And I was getting on the starting read like 
that will kill everybody. Then Tony, we know it's probably most fair rider of the last 20 years, but still he has this kind of hunger inside him and he don't give a shit at that time to anybody. You know, he was like, I'm doing my job. Now with the kid, everything has changed. But I was thinking that he was feeling this kind of uh, responsibility. But in fact, he said, no, it's that everything is sweet and nice around me. And I have a kid. I'm looking at a cartoon with him. I'm just playing, you know, with him. How can I be pissed off when I go on the track or when I go on the... So that's the reason why I think Roman also do act a little bit like that. He, he don't need friends. He needs just rivals. And if he has rivals, he can focus on those rivals and just go for it. And I think I personally don't have nothing against him. and uh, But I don't appreciate this kind of way of acting. Huh? But it's his way of, of writing and of being. So I think he, he needs and he deserves respect, as also Jorge said in the during the press conference. I respect him a lot for what he did during this season. Uh, on the other side of the picture, uh, next teammate, uh, Jeremy Sewer, <laughs> will have a tough time, I think, to deal with him. But this would be equal, I think, because uh, Jeremy is really good on dealing. Uh, he's doing it with uh, with uh, Renault. He's doing it with all these his teammates. But it, it would be interesting to look at this picture to see if it happens like it was in Turkey while they had a contact uh, that uh, Jeremy probably really didn't appreciate. But again, uh, we will see. That'll be interesting, mate. An interesting dynamic. And I guess when you get to this sort of level, it's kind of like teams within the team, like we've discussed, obviously, with the Everts and the Damo situation and all those Yamaha guys you mentioned. And yeah, and it was pretty cool to see, or I guess kind of overlooked in a lot of ways that he actually won the GP only on 40 points. Not often you get a GP win with that many, but you know, he's had enough bad luck. So it was probably his turn to have a crack, he was saying afterwards. So, you know, it's amazing to look back. He was our favorite heading into the season, wasn't he? We were doing those Italian international preseason races. He was looking brilliant. The bike was looking brilliant. And, you know, good to get a little bit of something go his way, mate. And yeah, he'll move to Kawasaki and he'll love Madeley Basin like so many of the riders do. I guess it's probably the favorite track. A lot of them tell us. A lot of the American guys say they either love it or they would love to race it. So that'll be cool for him. And then the nation's... Switzerland could do something pretty cool. But yeah, what was your take on Siwa's weekend, mate? He's always fun to watch. He's always all action. Had a little bit of a couple of rough rounds and this year and that injury, those crashes. I don't know how he stays up and keeps riding, you know, especially that Argentina one. That was just crazy, mate. But it's going to be so fascinating seeing him on that yeah. Kawasaki, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm uh, I'm glad to to see something change, you know, because uh, after so many years being always in the same uh, owning. But I think that this move means more. Uh, I tried to explain you. Um, Jeremy was sticking with uh, Yama since a long time. Even in the press conference, he remembered me that he was in the team alongside with Roman. Mm. I didn't remember. It looks so far, you know, but yeah, it's true. It was not so long time ago, but they were together in the team and you know uh, him as a teammate. So uh, it's something that we already see. But I think that there is something that is more, much bigger than a rider contract that is moving around there. And that's why it took so long before they announced him and they announced without a picture. And that for me was surprising mm -hmm. as okay, don't announce it and wait two, three more weeks and then you announce with a picture. But 
It was looking like they were rushed to announce it, but they cannot put public pictures with uh, uh, Yamaha clothing, of course, but they could not also do it with Kawasaki clothing. It's, to me, it's just something that I will never understand. I mean, uh, the contracts are contracts is for next year. Uh, every sponsor can say, do the picture without my clothing clothings on. Don't put their clothings on. Put whatever you want, alpine style, for example, uh, and, and just shake the hands and, uh, and do some stuff like that. But okay, that's bigger than me. But I think that behind this, there is a huge, a bigger change. Uh, what will involve Vilvo team and maybe also Rinaldi, because Vilvo, we know that next year they end up with Yamaha. But of course, they have a great knowledge about the Yamaha 450 bikes. Mm. Uh, I saw them talking. I, I mean, I saw that there are a lot of movements and rumors and stuff that involve an Italian brand, an Italian factory, like is uh, Fantic. So it's possible that Vilvo become the new 450 uh, Fantic uh, team, factory one. Uh, maybe they will keep because Luis Vosters is really, really close to uh, uh, Glenn Koldenov. Glenn is in the team because he's a good rider, but he's in the team because Luis Vosters always wanted to give him a chance and to have him in the team. There's a really good connection in between this season. I don't know if they could have done three riders in 2023 if Lewis didn't want it to to keep really really strong uh so uh it's uh it's really like uh, uh like a good connection so probably will stay in the team i think that ron van der mosdijk will uh, join him uh, so another dutch rider uh to making a dutch team but with an italian factory but they know very well the Yamaha 450. And in fact, the, the Fantic is a Yamaha 450. We know for sure it's nothing so different. So that's uh, that's good. Maybe they do a third rider. don't know. Uh, we'll see what, uh, what will happen. They have the capacity to do. They have a, a huge workshop, so it's possible. But then what happened to Rinaldi that has have done always the development? Of? Because... The connection in between the Vilvo structure and Rinaldi is really close, is really deep. And Vilvo born as the factory team that uh, followed the Rinaldi team, you know. So that was a natural uh, move to have Vilvo, uh, like because Michele and his mechanics, they wanted just to make a step back uh, at that time. They were involved in the World Championship for a long, long time, and that was a, the ideal moment. But if they move to Fantic, uh, what happened to Rinaldi? Uh, will they stop working like this with Yamaha? Because maybe uh, they will not work so closely with uh, uh, the Kamea staff, uh, or will they work maybe for the Kamea staff, or maybe they will change and work for the Fantic? Uh, development uh, i don't know there is something mm. that uh, really big that can happen there i don't know i really i'm talking about the impression that i had during the weekend but like for example we saw glenn koldenoff uh, saying goodbye to uh his mechanic uh, manuel uh, that yeah. will do something completely <laughs> different he said so why that's another good point there you know so i don't know 
but maybe Manuel uh, is just tired to be in Holland uh, uh, because he's, he's there and doing everything, living there. So he left Italy, left his family, left everything just to be there uh, in Holland uh, working for Glenn. Glenn is really, really, uh, I was happy to have him uh, by his side and uh, I was really grateful for this. Uh, but yeah, there are some big changes. Uh, uh, Fantic will have three teams, uh, will run three teams next season. One just MXGP, one with uh, only 250, and one only with uh, two strokes. So I think the two of those uh, three teams were, will be Italian, and but I think that Vilvo can uh, definitely be the, the third one. Well, that's exciting, mate. There's so much going on, isn't there? So we'll definitely be watching with yeah. interest as it gets confirmed, mate. And yeah, you're welcome to share anything else you know on that situation and we're still sort of working out what's going on with guys like Valandrin and this kind of thing, mate. But, and also another yeah. man that we must give the props to is Ferrato. What a great weekend. Obviously another man that's not locked in for next year. So it's really a shame. He just missed the podium because Prado crashed at the end there, didn't he mate? But he turned on the style for the fans. Riding was really exceptional. He got some much better starts. It's always so cool seeing him out there. The fans were loving him. He was loving them. He had the lit kit going, mate. It was all lining up to be just a great weekend qualifying race was absolutely masterful so first moto did what he had to do and the second one it was all looking good for a podium mate until it wasn't so give us a rundown of his weekend because it was just so good to see him up there and must have been a massive boost of confidence for him as well yeah i get a little lost in uh, in those stuff so uh we, we didn't talk about uh jeremy uh season but uh yeah jeremy i think entered the season as a favorite in my eyes uh, for a title chase together with uh, with Geyser. Then Geyser was injured, so he was the favourite. But still, uh, uh, something went wrong uh, in one point of the season at the beginning, and uh, we had to wait so long. I don't think that it was only that crash in Argentina, because we saw uh, many times little mistakes and stuff. Luckily for him, he never gets injured. So uh, sometimes we talk also with other writers, other journalists, how it's possible that he gets so huge crashes and so nasty crashes and never get injured. Someone like uh, uh, Jeffrey Erlings probably at uh, his place will have been broken everything. I don't know, <laughs> but better, better for him. Uh, he's start. He's still doing his uh, incredible record of uh, races uh, without uh, any any stop. So it's it's good. It's fantastic. Jeremy is a funny person. He's a really funny person. He's a super professional rider, of course, but he's also a really funny person. Nice person. It's also nice to talk with him, to meet him, to chat with him in the paddock. And I'm glad that he found this uh, good deal with Kawasaki. I think it will be not so difficult for him to switch from Yamaha to Kawasaki. The bike has improved dramatically on everything, on chassis, on engine, compared to the one that uh, uh, Clement de Salle was using. Uh, and it was already a very good bike. But this year they have made a fantastic step. So good luck to him. For what concerns Alberto... And his kit, for example, let's talk about this pink kit uh, <laughs> that he designed by himself. So we had already in the 86, the Pink Panther was Jackie Vimon. If you know Jackie, he was is a thingy uh, rider, uh, really like uh, uh, not with not that big mass, you know, <laughs> with uh, not 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 so heavy. So maybe we can say that Alberto is the pink bear. <laughs> for example, or the lion at least, because he's quite huge and big on the bike. And in pink, I have to say, Alberto, you look <laughs> even bigger. So please stop this pink kid. 
He was a lucky one for the qualifying moto, but I don't believe in luck. You were good, not your kid. So that's to be sincere and honest uh, with him. I didn't like it at all, the kid, but I loved the way he was riding and the way he was winning the race on Saturday. That was fantastic. Big emotions, a uh, lot of uh, uh, red eyes uh, at the end of uh, uh, the race and, and that is well-deserved, you know. I hope, really, I'm finger crossed that he can get a very good ride for next season because he deserved. Show that he can he can be in the top five, uh, really, with a with with a lot of uh, in in different occasion in sand, in mud, in hard pack. As uh, a complete rider now, uh, doesn't have so many problems. Starts starting to be better, if I can say. Uh, because, of course, uh, he has a good bike, good engine, factory one uh, from uh, KTM, so it helps it a little bit. But on some tracks, uh, his weight, of course, doesn't help him to 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 start so good. But in Italy, he was really good and start and uh, was able to be always there. That third place in the first moto let probably drain uh, everyone in, uh, in Majora, all the public, they were on fire. And... It has been a little shame that he wasn't there on the podium at the end because, uh, well, I don't have nothing. I mean, Ruben is a fantastic guy. He's a good rider. He's funny. He's nice and really polite. But he has been already on the podium. He yeah. been, even won the race. Maybe we forgot that he was the first winner yeah. of the season, uh, that he was there in the top three for the first part of the season. But... Ah, oh, it's such a shame, you know, for Alberto because uh, he deserves and the, the Italian fans, of course, they had a lot with Adamo winning the title with everything. But this podium is something that missed on his career, I will say, you know. So I hope that he will get it. On the 250 was almost impossible. He did it on the EMX 250 while he was winning, for example, in Arco di Trento, a fantastic race. But... Still, in the MXGP, I want to see Alberto on the podium. Uh, whatever is the step, doesn't matter. He definitely belongs at the MXGP level. He's proven that throughout the year emphatically, mate. He's just made strides, progression. Pretty much a top five guy now, isn't he? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, we have almost everyone on track now. Uh, okay, we're missing, of course, Jeffrey. But, like, if you see the race in Turkey, the race in uh, uh, all the races, it's uh, it's like, you know... Uh, that is there. The, 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 he has the speed. He has everything. I don't think he's, if you feel that I believe that he can be a world champion one day. No, I don't believe this, but not because I, I don't uh, believe in, uh, in uh, Alberto potential, but because you have so many incredible good riders that is so difficult to, to win the title. We see every year that the one the one who won the title is always really doing something special for the complete season. Uh, guys are last year, uh, Jeffrey, the previous one, uh, guys at the previous one again. This year, Jorge, it's so difficult and the contenders are so many that I don't want to say that it's impossible because everything is possible. But still, it's really difficult. But doesn't matter. We have a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth. We have a lot of riders and everyone is doing his best. And I feel that when Alberto is doing his, his best and all the picture is getting together in, in, in a good way, then uh, you have a rider that can be most of the time in the top five, six positions uh, 
very well. So I hope for him that he gets a good ride for next year. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And we were speaking last time on our pod this how he was passing hurlings regularly, battling all the heavy hitters. So he's got that comfort there. He clearly feels at home there. And the bike's really good too, we must say, mustn't we, mate? Because it's not like it's a privateer KTM. He does a lot of testing. So he's got some pretty good parts, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, he, you can see also that he's able to deal with a factory bike because it's not so easy, you know? I mean... I don't want to say that it's an handicap. Of course not. It's a, it's a big advantage to to have a, a factory bike, but you you need to know how to deal yeah. with. I give an example. Uh, for example, when when we had the step of the engine with Valerio uh, on the two fifty, and it was a good step. Of course, it wasn't the, the the super incredible step. It was just a good a good one. Uh, Valerio had to try a lot of uh, time, a lot of things to. A lot of time he needs to to test and, and to uh, to get used for a start, to get used for uh, it, and that's incredible. When you see your goalkeeper make his first goal in the Champions League against Atletico Madrid, that's a dream. That's <laughs> Provedel, Provedel, really, At that's nine, crazy. Five. He's good with the ball at the feet. He is a great passer, isn't he? So it's only fitting. Incredible. So happy for them. Good, good. We were so close many times. Many, many times. Mamma mia. Okay, legendary. (laughs) We can restart. (laughs) Do you have the chance to see it? I haven't seen the goal yet, no. But I'll be definitely watching it back later, mate. It's uh, good good against Simeone too as well for all those soccer fans that uh, know the connection there. Yeah, and it was just penalty before, and uh, they didn't give penalty, and so they let they let the action go on, and yeah. Provedel came from uh, uh, from from the end of the field, and and it just bam, mamma mia, ninety four like Ken Roxon. Yes, perfect, <laughs> yellow <mate>. like Suzuki. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely leaving that in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's regroup, please. Yes. Sorry. What were we talking about? We were talking about uh, the fact that this uh, uh, riding a factory bike is not so easy. I mean, you need to get used to. And Alberto have proven that he is really good on this. He was testing. He was uh, training hard, and then he was able really to uh, to do the job done. So it's. Uh, uh, I hope that he will have another chance. Uh, maybe to remain in the... I don't understand why they don't do uh, Husqvarna factory for, for one Italian rider. Oh, maybe maybe they are doing it. And uh, Oh, sorry. Okay, no, 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 no. Yeah, just cancel everything. No, but really, I hope that Alberto will get uh, a factory ride. It would be... To me, in my opinion, I'm not, I'm not a, a manager. I mean, I was, then I'm not anymore. So probably I wasn't that good. That's the, the reason why. But you have four spots under your awning, okay? At the moment, you have three uh, MX2 riders, one MXGP riders. Uh, Okay, you need to chase for young riders and to let them grow. Perfect, I understand. But will not be more equal balance to have two and two. And you have the best rider probably in uh, speed and everything that is uh, is the most winning, of course, rider ever, that is Jeffrey Erlings. And then you can give a chance, for example, to Alberto, and on the other side, having two really good riders, the world champion himself, and another rider next to him, 
in MX2 team and having a more balanced situation because with all those injuries, these 84 bikes, this KTM 450 was never out of the garage. I mean, the half season was inside the, 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 the awning and not out on the track. So it's just to have the bike on, you know, and not to keep it in. Like last year, they've tried with Guarame. In Metal Basin, Guarame was riding with number 172, uh, Erling's bike. Uh, he got injured after the second practice, probably during the second practice. And then that was finished. And But I know that it's difficult to find a good ride during the season. So why you don't take it earlier, before the beginning of the season? And Alberto will fit that place perfectly. Yeah, well said, mate. It's definitely something to watch out for. And just another man, obviously, Mitch Evans wasn't there. His future's uncertain at the moment with the Kawasaki, obviously, going in a different direction. But been a really rough year. Obviously, they released the news that he was suffering a lot in Turkey with the pain from that old wrist injury, which is really savage what he's gone through with that. James did a really good podcast with him probably last month about it, where he goes into great detail, all the adversity and struggles yeah. he had with it, mate. But hopefully we see him back at Madley Basin. Probably not. I would imagine at this point, just wanting to get it healed up. Obviously, he went back to Belgium and saw a specialist and underwent treatment, whatever that was. And yeah, that injury's obviously cost him his spot on the Nations, like Hunter Lawrence was saying. The plan was to go with Evans, and he, I think, just wasn't up to it. So, you know, it's a valiant yeah. decision to pull out because, you know, he'd be there. He battled through a massive injury at last year's Nations and did so well. So it must be pretty bad. So that's really concerning about him, mate. So any news on him? And fingers crossed we see him at Madeley for his sort of Kawasaki swan song, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's um, to me, it's uh, it's quite almost painful because uh, Mitch is such a good person and uh, I, I know him quite well. I mean, uh, I never had the chance to work with him, but uh, I was uh, close to his team while he was riding for one uh, one four Honda team. Uh, and, uh, and I always uh, had a close connection with him because he's one of the, those kind uh guys uh what is really nice to always nice to to meet in the paddock to meet on the grid uh always there for a smile uh, for a chat for and uh i had a nice interview with him uh before the beginning of last year last season with honda and we were in uh in sardinia in alghero and we had really a nice uh, nice chat but uh it's it's a shame because he has everything to succeed i mean to be as we said, one of those riders always in the top 10 and uh, he got the talent, he got the skills, he is really hard on working and everything. But still, uh, this injury with the priest, uh, I think is and was one of the most painful things that someone was going through uh, in uh, the MixGP paddock. Uh, because he had always uh, something uh, to to deal with, and he got he was operated, and then uh, uh, the operation didn't went as planned, and he was uh, operated once again, and those new operations are just so painful because they need to broken again the bone and to uh, like uh, you know try to put everything together again and to fix some part of the articulation so you know that you will never move again your wrist as before and it will be always a little bit more fragile than normal and so i think it's something that uh, that is really 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 tough to to deal with uh, I, I don't have any idea about how they do how about he do 
because it's uh, it's incredible, uh, painful and demanding mentally mostly. So I hope that he will uh, get a deal for next season. Uh, honestly, I don't see so many places uh, also because we have few riders coming up from uh, uh, MX2 and it will be tough for him to find a place. Uh, for the kindness and uh, for the skills, for the uh, ability, I will take him in uh, Matele Basin. I hope to see him at the Nations with his team because if he's not back in uh, in, in Australia yet, maybe he will just come, you know, as a member of uh, the Australian squad and it will be fine and nice to, to have the chance to chat again with him, to have him in Arne. Uh, but I know that for riders sometimes it's really difficult uh, to be uh, on a race while they're not racing and even more when that was his place, you know, uh, that was, was really his place in the team. But again, he's one of the best, probably the best uh, ever Australian team. So maybe uh, it would be nice to also for creating the group to to having him uh, in Arne. So I hope to see him there. Yeah, mate, well said. Thanks for your insights on Mitch there, mate. We just want to say all the best for him. And back healthy, I guess that's the yeah. main thing, and back racing, because he's probably one of the most skillful, most talented, and just great blokes out there. So we just want to see him succeed, because, yeah, he's probably got the potential to go a very, very long way in the sport top three championship level guy. Like we saw last year in you know, the qualifying race in Sweden, especially that kind of level of skill and speed. So, yeah, another man we must touch on. The time's flying here, mate. But, yeah, Guadagnini always loves that home GP, mate. He's a great character. And, you know, he's had a pretty solid return from his injury, mate. Obviously, not the easiest weekend. That track he was saying, pretty one-line, you know, hard to pass. And the Saturday, the conditions weren't obviously ideal. But he's always a good one to have under the awning. I'm sure the fans were all around him. And I suppose you forget just how long that layoff was, wasn't it, mate? And it came just after his pretty much best ride in MXGP in Spain. He was brilliant. So, Another guy just building towards yeah. the nation, building towards Madeley. Italy's got a really good team, mate. It's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I think that I have one of the highlights of Majora for me is the start of the qualifying moto. As uh, Mattia picked up uh, a really, really outside gate, complete outside gate, and everyone was like, oh, what is he doing? And then he was able to put a, a fantastic start from the outside and to being there, you know, in the in the good positions uh, after the first corner. And that was honestly, uh, to me, his highlight of the weekend. Uh, qualifying race was okay, but then he was struggling with start in both motos. And then, yeah, it was tough to pass. That's what we have to say, uh, to be clear on, uh, that uh, with all this rain, uh, uh, to save a little bit the condition of the track, uh, they tried to do their best. With 250, it was still possible. We saw a lot of uh, good battles. We saw good battles also in uh, mm. in MXGP between Prado and Fever. But this yeah. gives you also the difference of level of the riding. Guys because, are yeah, guys are too. Um, already for, for uh, Alberto, was a bit difficult with his weight uh, to attack. I mean, Alberto did his best overtake of the season during the qualifying moto while he was in the downhill, in the biggest oh, downhill yeah. of the the entire championship, almost pushing out <laughs> the, 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 the title chaser, Jorge Prado. That was a scary moment, but oh, it was also... Brave man. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, I think we have a very good team. I think we have uh, uh, the potential to go on the podium. And then the nation, you never know because uh, uh, everything can happen, you know. 
uh, one zero can change the complete uh, uh, story. And so it's not easy. Remember Majora but, 2016? Yes, Majora 2016. That was, uh, that was something. And uh, and yeah, you, you you know when you have after the first moto one winner, after the second moto another nation winning, uh, two laps to the end another nation again that can win, and at the end is another one who wins uh, at the end. You know, so but uh, anyway, I have to say that uh, the potential of the team is there. Uh, I think that Mattia will be the the most uh, probably uh, determined to 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 make a good result, uh, even because if it's really. His last race for the for the De Carli team, uh, I think he will uh, going away with a good uh, memory, and that can be. And and Mattia is one of the few gets uh, uh, really like uh, uh, give the, it will give all for 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 his nation for his uh, uh, for the shirt you know mm. for the maglia azzurra that is the Italian shirt. So uh, Alberto is a kind of similar uh, someone that. Uh, uh, would put everything in, and uh, uh, I think that uh, Andrea, uh, as a world champion, uh, will just uh, wanted to show. Would like we would like to would like to show that uh, he is the world champion. So it would be interesting uh, uh, to see what happened uh, at the at the nation. But I hope that Italy will. Uh, I, the potential is hundred uh, percent to be in the top five. Uh, what is always a good result at the nation, eh? but uh, podium is possible. Of course, everything must to. Come together. Uh, I don't see that big potential for USA, honestly. Uh, with this team, uh, looks to me a B team. Uh, I don't know what is happening uh, because uh, people are saying that it's not a priority. Problem with contracts. Problem. Problems with bikes. Problems with everything. He, you I mentioned that Ferrandis thing company. last couple of times, didn't you? Yes. For example, uh, I know that if you want to solve problems you do you solve problems if you want to use the problems that always are there uh, you want to use it to to don't uh, make it proper you you can you do and, and that looks a little bit me this i think that uh, honestly the ktm group have uh, uh, put a big effort uh, to to have a team at the nations for america uh, and the other brands not that that honestly I think is uh, what it is uh, but it's a shame it's a big one because um, okay contract problems stuff like that don't forget that uh, in front uh, and FIM have moved the nation uh, uh, just to fit the super mm. motocross uh, world cup they call it it's not a world cup guys a world cup uh, is when there is a FIM uh, uh, agreement and when you go around the world so this is a fantastic uh, uh, game I would say looks really like a fantastic game but I think that mostly of the guys that are there looking a fantastic show like it is like it was in the first two uh, playoff don't really look for sport but look for a fantastic show but anyway in front uh, and uh, FIM have moved the nation just to fit with American calendar, I don't, don't feel that it's so uh, nice and so, you know, to don't then send the best uh, team possible. Because uh, I heard also someone said, yeah, but you know, if uh, the European rider come for the super motocross, this will be the biggest event uh, of the season. 
no guys the biggest event of the season is the nations when everyone is competing for his nation and not for his team and not for himself mm. and, uh, and 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 that's the spirit the spirit of the nations is to compete for your flag for your country and american are really good on this they should understand and they surely understand that riding for their flag for their country is an honor and this honor may will cost some more money when the event is far but i'm pretty sure if uh, we uh, run a motocross of nation in australia italian team french team english team german team belgian team will come we go there with their best possible team of course it will cost a lot to everyone to the federations first but yeah guys uh, that that's the game and uh, so i'm a little bit disappointed that we cannot see the best a possible team but i'm also sure that guys like aaron plessinger that had a fantastic season uh this year in america will give will, will really give 100 him his best because he's really proud to wear this this shirt and same for for the other riders so let's see what happened but uh yeah that was a little bit and uh i'm feeling this kind of you know uh trying to maybe change something and allow the uh, European rider to be there at the end of the season uh, competing with the Americans on their soil but uh, no the nations is the nations and we need to do whatever is possible to defend this fantastic race yeah well said mate it's good they've got together a team and at least the guys you know the ones that they picked they want to be there they want to go they want to have a crack they want to yeah you know it's pretty amazing they still have that much talent when pretty much you know they scrape the barrel of guys wanting to do it so they're still an excellent team it'll be interesting to see how they go mate and I suppose, like you said, just yeah, sure. respect because obviously the rest of the world went to America last year. So it's kind of like the least yeah. they could do was come to France this year. And especially the defending champions, they got to be there. So And they waited so long sure. for that. And there was so much put into it. So they want to sort of build on that momentum, even though it won't quite be the same. But it's just good to have them there, mate. And you'll be there. And it'll be really exciting. And we've already clocked an hour here, mate. But we've got to touch on Adama, obviously, <laughs> getting the job done. He was really good. He felt he had the speed to battle with Yago and Simon, didn't he, mate? He just didn't get the starts as he would have desired. But he did really well. He managed the yeah. day really well. He said he wasn't overthinking things too much in the press conference you sent me. And, yeah, just a happy day for him, mate. Got to celebrate with the family, Antonio, everyone around him. Probably yourself too, mate. And, you know, a little thing he said, which you'll probably bring up, the first title of Antonio was on the 17th of September as well. So that was pretty cool. And and it was interesting. He was asked about, did you know you won? And he said, I saw Liam after that nasty crash and he yeah. lapped. He said, I hope he's all right and all that stuff. But it was a bit of a nasty sort of moment yeah. to end it on for Liam because he was putting a, his best foot forward and having a charge. But sort of just summed up his year. He's the last man standing in a lot of ways because Simon had the injuries, Yago had the injuries. They've all had something, Kaida Wolf, Beniston. And he just kept it upright, kept it safe, kept it consistent. And he said, every race I did what I could, not more. So that was like a pretty telling thing, the way he approached it for someone so young. It's very impressive, mature, level-headed. Obviously, Smets has done masterful work with him training Prado. Great day for Joel Smets too, and all the teams associated with it, mate. So use your take on Adamo, because, yeah, pretty special day doing it on Hope Soil, wasn't it? Yeah, um, well said, mate, because I think that uh, we are really do to, to take uh, our hat off for Joel. Uh, what he did this year is fantastic. Uh, the growth that uh, Andrea had uh, compared to last year, uh, it's fantastic, um, we saw him changing completely uh, the way the, the approach to the race and uh, 
it's uh, it's really um, true the the fact that uh, he never went out uh, of his possibilities over his possibilities. He did his best always. Sometimes he had bad days. Sometimes he had very good days. Mm, but I think he was the only one that was able to put everything together. And that's so important uh, in such a long season. Um, I think that uh, Iago will do pretty well in MXGP. I see him already a uh, potential uh, title contender at the first season. And if not, for sure, fighting for the top places like uh, Maxime uh, did at his first season. I see, I, would, I see him winning already in the first season. Uh, probably uh, more than one race but um, when you don't win uh, for so long uh, a title that you deserve because uh, we have to say that uh, Iago deserved the title for uh, what we saw on track while he was riding uh, but you don't one you don't two you don't three etc uh, it's it's something it means something. So I hope that one day he would be crowned world champion. At, no, it will be MXGP for sure, and not anymore MX2. But uh, but yeah, uh, I think that Andrea was the only one that was able to be out of troubles most of the time, consistent most of the time, and a good fighter most of the time. He's not the fastest on track. We cannot say that he's the fastest rider. We cannot say that he's a dominant rider uh we can say that uh, this little magic happened again in that team because at the beginning of the season and even at the end of last season while uh tom vial was uh, taking his flight to go to usa to the usa uh, mostly of us were saying well oh, it will be just a disaster the season of ktm in mx2 will be a disaster 2023 they need to forget already this season before the start of the season himself. So it wasn't like that. They were able to do the magic once again. It was the 15th time in 20 years. What is not normal. So there is also a reason why you win so much and not only why you lose so much. Uh, numbers. Uh, Andrea won his first title on 17th September, as you said, exactly 18 years after the first title of the only Sicilian that have been world champion before him, and it's Tony Cairoli. It's amazing to imagine that while Tony was winning that first title, Andrea was two years and one month and uh, almost one month old, but not even two years and one month old, like two years and three weeks old. So he didn't knew nothing about motocross, probably also his family, nothing about even that Tony Cairoli that was uh, the star that uh, was just born in the, the meantime. So when uh, while Andrea is born, uh, was 22nd of August uh, uh, 2003, and Tony was in uh, the worst period of his life uh, because he was... Uh, uh, at that time, exactly at that time, almost fired from uh, Martin on the team. And he didn't know what to do of his career and of his life. Uh, while uh, one day, while he was coming back from uh, from North Italy to Sicily, he received a phone call from uh, Claudio De Carli telling him, uh, stop in Rome for a test. And after this test, he, he never went away from Rome. And now 
uh, we know that uh, 20 years after he's still in Rome. Uh, so Andrea at the time is born, just born. Uh, two years after Tony was winning his first title. Another little curiosity is that 2017, last title of Tony Cairoli in uh, MXGP was uh, on 17th of September. So it's just curious to see sometime uh, how numbers come, how things happen. Tony never won a title in Italy before this one. Uh, I mean, he won the Nations in uh, Mantova, but then now he won his first title as his first year as a team manager on the same date uh, as he won his first and last title uh, as a rider. So it's just, you know, uh, things that happen, uh, things that uh, we can say that that was his 10th title probably, uh, uh, but nine as a rider, one as a team manager. It's a nice story. It's a beautiful story. Uh, the family of Andrea is uh, formed by so many nice persons. The emotion was incredibly high. Uh, everyone was crying. Everyone was screaming. Uh, it was a really a true uh, joy you know and uh, I cannot imagine uh, nothing better and it was unexpected unexpected uh, at the beginning of the season unexpected during the season everyone was hoping then from Finland on that it could happen but most of them and us were saying okay wait for UK wait for Metal Basin and then it happened and the mean the same day I don't remember so many champions crowd at the same day, MXGP, MX2. Just a few. Maybe, I don't know, in Geildorf, Tony and Roxen or something like that, but not many. And for Majora, I think it was uh, even uh, uh, an incredible record as Majora was always hosted in May or June at mm. least, but never at the end of the season. So uh, since they... 10 years that they opened again the gate uh, it was the first time someone was winning a title and one Italian rider one Spanish rider for the Italian team that was incredible yeah mate well said it was pretty amazing I guess being Sicilian that's another cool little connection they can have mate because when I did a podcast with Adama I've spoken to him a few times really nice humble bloke very determined and yeah he was saying it is cool having another Sicilian in his camp isn't it mate because they you know they have tendencies and the language and stuff so I guess how much of a role do you reckon Cairoli's played as well mate because I'm sure he's had a massive influence yeah absolutely uh, it's a family that is not involved in racing before was not involved in racing before uh, they don't they didn't add so many, of course, uh, money or to invest or stuff like that. They started uh, with the Honda 150 uh, trophy, I mean, at a high level, uh, because it was uh, the cheapest way to, to start doing something. Then Martino Bianchi, you will hear his name more and more uh, during next season and even more in 2025, while Ducati will enter a mixed GP because they, he is the team manager. Of the, of the squad and he, he was uh, giving Andrea a chance to ride in America to do Loretta Linz but to do Loretta Linz you need to collect before a lot of points in other races and uh, so uh, he helped Andrea to make uh, a tour in America to got those points to compete in Loretta Lynn. then Loretta Lynn didn't went as planned and Andrea went back but uh, then he, he was able to find this chance with the SM Action team uh, and and that was uh, was really uh, the, the the best chance he could have because uh, uh, at the time 
everything started. I mean, uh, somehow uh, with uh, with with uh, what today's uh, the title win. But um, his family decided to move from Sicily to North Italy uh, to follow Andrea to give him a chance. So they left everything in Sicily and they found a job in uh, near Bologna. And now they they live there. They live in North Italy. They work in North Italy, and they have one, two, three, four kids. So it's not that easy, you know. And they're all so beautiful. The four kids are so beautiful. I always ask the father, "How is it possible that your kids are so beautiful?" Looking at you, <laughs> I'm joking. But Nino is the father. Is a fantastic person. Always praying. Always crying. So deep in emotion that I never saw someone so deep in emotions. The mother is much more cooler. They have a fantastic, nice uh, dog, and uh, so it's uh, and they travel all together. And there is always this kind of you know uh, family atmosphere. But they never interfere with with the work of the team. They never under the owning. They never uh, giving their opinion on what the is the, the job done. So I think that on this, Tony was really the connection, the right one in between the factory and the Sicilian family. So also that job was very, very, very well done. And uh, and Andrea started working with Joel Smetznek last year already. And you can see also that, that the work that Joel do with these riders is great. And uh, winning two titles in this way has not, uh, every day that happens, I think. Yeah, well said, mate. And just lastly, I guess, touch on Simon Langenfelder, won two of the three races, was in excellent form, mate. He's probably been arguably the fastest guy since he's come back from injury, just keeps racking off podiums and great results. And yeah, just get your take, mate, back to Madley Basin this weekend for him, where he went 1-1 last year for his first GP. Just an absolutely brilliant performance, mate. And then he's got the Nations with Roxon and Cox, so that's a really strong team. And a lot of eyes will be on them, especially with Kenny, mate. So exciting little end of the season for him, that's for sure. You're talking about the next uh, MX2 World Champion? I believe no, so. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, but he has the potential to demonstrate uh, that he's uh, another one, that uh, he got an injury that put him out of uh, the fight for the title. Uh, I don't know uh, what can happen in Matterley. I think he's one of the few that can put all together there and uh, and go for the, the win because uh, he's having a very good moment uh, is doing a very good end of the season, really strong. And I hope he will uh, just start in this way in the next uh, season. This year, he was a little bit surprised by the, the speed of some. And he got some struggle at the beginning of the season in uh, in putting himself in front, you know. But then, okay, now we know, now he's uh, more mature for sure. Uh, it's still hope that he can get the third place. Uh, he can even get the second, but uh, will be more difficult. But the 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 third place is uh, still in his hands. Four points only from Liam would be tough for Liam if he don't finish on podium after being a uh, title chaser for for till the uh, the last end part of the season. But races are like that. I think that Simon is really on uh, on a very good moment uh, and uh, he, he can do it. You know. So I hope that uh, it can be again third like it was last year uh, with a completely different season, I would say. Last year also, at the end of the season, it was really good. So maybe there is something that they have to work on with the preparation or, you, I don't know, maybe it's something. I don't know. It's not my job. 
uh, even if last year it started with this double victory, uh, that uh, it was also a triple victory that uh, could have been 60 points uh, with uh, the points of 2023 because he has won also the, the qualifying motto. But a part of this, uh, I think that, uh, that Simon deserved what he's getting at the moment and uh, I hope for him the next year will be is one of the title contender alongside with uh, Lucas Kunen, with uh, Kai De Wolf, uh, uh, I hope with Andrea Bonacorsi, of course, uh, and with all those riders that now are Andrea as the defending champion, will be defending champion, Liam uh, will be even stronger than this year. So an exciting MX2 season is yet to come, I think. Yeah, well said, mate. And it was obviously good to see DeWolf and Benestant back up there mixing it up. Benestant was saying that he'd been out six weeks or so now and really couldn't do much exercise for a month just with the head knock and the after effects from it. So that's pretty brutal to go through what he's been through and to still come back at the end of the year. It's a pretty good effort. So cool to see that, mate. Just a couple of words on him and Valerio Latta as well, the young Italian star on the rise. He did pretty well, mate. Starts were pretty good and certainly held his own, showed that he can belong in MX2, that's for sure. Yeah, Valerio will uh, will compete at the EMX 250 also next year, doing probably more wildcards. Uh, he was competing already with wildcards in MX2 last year while he had probably the worst season of his life. Uh, but it wasn't his fault. I mean, he wasn't ready probably to to be there where he was. So now he's much more ready. He has done a fantastic job alongside with the team. He has grown a lot. And you can clearly see on his potential uh, uh, results. Uh, he won in Arco di Trento this year with a fantastic uh, uh, victory. He could have been on podium both in Harnem and in Turkey, uh, but he wasn't. In Turkey, I have to say that there was uh, overtaking with uh, yellow flags from Kasvalk that wasn't noted by noticed by the the, the FIM uh, uh, marshals. So otherwise, it was podium, but that's mm, not the problem. Performance were there. Valerio was really good uh, at every moment of uh, uh, the season, apart of when he was injured. And in majority, did a fantastic job with a. Fantastic uh, uh, kit, uh, cloth uh, kit that was really, really nice. And you can spot him quite easily with white and uh, uh, fluo yellow. Bike also was special and he didn't put any pressure on himself. He did a fantastic start, uh, uh, even if he was wheeling out of the gate a lot. So, But in the qualifying motor, he was able to then turn at the second corner in third position. Then he had a nasty crash. But he was able to recover pretty well, uh, recovering a lot of positions in the mud. And he stopped even to change the goggles because uh, he broke the goggles in the crash. So then he stopped and he, he was able to come back from 21st to 12th, I think, and uh, or 11th. And then in the first moto, again, he did a very good start in the first couple of corners, able to uh, pass a few riders. Of course, the rhythm of the first seven, eight riders is really uh, much, much higher than in EMX 250, so he was struggling a little bit. But then in the second moto, while he was more used to this speed, and uh, uh, he, he showed also that his, uh, um, at the moment uh, his physical preparation is really good. So he was there uh, fighting for the top 10. He ended 9, 10th overall. I think that for a kid like that, it's a really good result. It's probably less... Uh, shining, you know, that, uh, for example, Rossi or uh, Zanki in the few wild cards they did, but really consistent. And I see him growing and growing and last and next year uh, with a factory ride in the MX250. I hope he's a title contender and then he will do more 
wildcards preparing himself to then uh, heading up to a mix two in 2025. Yeah, mate, certainly one to watch and a really bright star for the future. So before we wrap it up, mate, final thoughts and how much you're looking forward to Madley Basin this weekend, obviously to close the season out. It's been a long season for you, especially, mate, going to pretty much every round. So be good to uh, get that one done and enjoy it. And I suppose the vibe should be pretty cool with the titles locked up. So enjoy yourself, mate, and uh, catch up with James from MX Vice and just have a good time, mate. I'll probably be the order of the day, I think, of that one, just to celebrate the season in style, send it off. Yeah, you know, like uh, um, I tell you how I approach this race. First of all, it's uh, uh, like we had an iconic track in Majora, the last Italian GP. Uh, we will have, an, again, an iconic track, even if the history is uh, less long than Majora that started at the end of the 50s. Uh, I have to say that Matterley Basin is something always special. I've been there at the first race. That was 2006. Uh, while for the nations uh, they built up this incredible track, Tony Cavalli with the two, Yamaha 250 uh, was battling for the victory and he won against James Stewart and riders like that. So also Stefan Evers was riding there was his last uh, proper race. So special memories from that time. Then we have been there for more few more times. For GPs, uh, Tony have won a title there. Uh, Tony uh, raced and won the race just after the passing of his father uh, there in 2014. And many, many things uh, were happening uh, in uh, Matterley Basin. Matterley Basin is a special place. Uh, there's a special energy. I love Winchester. I love being in England once again. I will start my weekend on Friday morning, landing in London, having scones, tea and clothed cream with strawberries uh, that for me is the, a kind of ritual when I arrive in uh, UK then I hope to have a lamb shank with the mint sauce uh, that would be also a big pleasure with a pint of fantastic good beer I will not talk only about food of course but it's one of my uh, main focus uh, wherever I go because I'm a former cook as a uh, mostly of uh, you know, of course, I was cooking in Onda Martin. And of course, I will stop on Friday at Tesco to buy uh, plenty of pretty uh, British things to bring back in my kitchen in Rome. So guys, love you all. Uh, I was stopped by someone in Majora saying, listening to your podcast, mate. And that was a guy from UK. So I'm glad to come there. I hope to see a lot of people there because uh, the scenario is fantastic. Even if the title chase is done, I think we will, can have a great, great show. So finger crossed for the rain, because that can happen everywhere like it was this year in Italy. And uh, finger crossed to have uh, a fantastic end of the season. Yeah, mate, if you weren't at the GP, you could have gone to see Arsenal Tottenham as well, mate, which would have been an absolute cracker, because I know you're a big football fan as well. Yes, and uh, right a few minutes ago, Lazio was just scoring 1-1 with Atletico Madrid. So, let's go. Yeah, mate, well said. So it should be a good one. All the best, and thanks again for taking the time, mate. And before we let you go, we'll just thank the sponsors for part two in AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross enduro parts from hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radio braces to performance cooling parts, such as silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch, and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at as3performance.co.uk and also Kawasaki Motors UK. We're really pleased with the announcement of the arrival of the KLX 140R range. Easy to ride lineup offers a 144cc engine 
plus suspension and push button electric start making for great trailblazers. Whether it's from Junior's first tentative steps to pushing the door wide open on adult riding, the KLX 140R range is ready and willing to add fun and enjoyment in 2023. Contact your off-road dealership for more information. All right, Lorenzo, all the best for the weekend, mate. And thanks again. Enjoy yourself, mate. It should be a cracker. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Ed, to invite me. As always, uh, I'm looking forward to being here next week after the last race of the season. Thanks again. Keep in touch. No worries, mate. Will do.